Hey everyone, Dante Marcatelli here for Orlando Magic Pod Squad presented by Kia. On this episode, the final episode of Orlando Magic Pod Squad, myself, David Steele, Jeff Turner, and George Galante all sit down and recap what was the craziest season in Orlando Magic history with all the lineup changes, all the players that came in an Orlando Magic uniform this year and all the number of games lost to injury. We recap this crazy season that was, how strange it was for us on our end, broadcasting for George traveling with the team. And then we look ahead to the years to come for the Orlando Magic. Now in a terrific position moving forward as far as salary cap flexibility, a lot of youth that we can move forward to and all of our attention now is on the NBA Draft Lottery coming up here on June 22nd. So a quick recap and then a preview of what's to come for the Orlando Magic on this edition of Magic Pod Squad, presented by Kia. And welcome everyone to another edition of Magic Pod Squad, brought to you by Kia, official vehicle of the Orlando Magic, the final Magic Pod Squad of the season. All of us are still in our same spot. George has gone to his kids' room for the final show. It's an impressive setup. But David, I want to start with you. Please, please, please give us some historical perspective on the challenges of this season. You've covered all 32 years of Orlando Magic basketball. I have to think this was the most challenging or as challenging as any season we've ever had. I don't think there's even a close second place. (laughs) I mean, do you? I mean, Jeff, you've been around. You you were in Orlando even during the time that you didn't work for the team or play for the team. And, George, you've been – we've all been around a long time. But, uh, you know, I've just got a few more years than you guys. But, no, no. I mean, uh, you know, the pandemic, um, the crazy start to the season, the late start, uh, then the the injury to Markell and Mm -hmm. subsequent injuries and – the roster makeover, um, no, uh, us broadcasting remotely, us doing podcasts from our, you know, bedrooms and offices and living rooms. It's just, kids uh, bedrooms. You know, a real sort of, kids bedrooms. Kids bedrooms, <laughs> as the case may be. Haven't seen the coaches and the players since March the yeah. 10th of 2020. So that's what, 14 months now we haven't in person uh, visited with Steve Clifford, his staff, or any of the players or, or staff that travels with the team. So, no, it's, uh, there's nothing even close. Crazy year. Let's hope we don't do it again like this next year. So even the years you were in the Western Conference doesn't even compare to, to every all uh, the challenges of this year. No, that was just travel. That was just the yeah, travel right. issues. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of late nights and commercial air flights. That was the challenge there. You had a lot of 4 a.m. wake up calls for six o'clock flights at the airport, and uh, so not a lot of sleep that year, right, JT? No, no sleep that year. You know, I was thinking, David, like I was thinking about as you know as Difficult as the games were, like towards the end, you know, we just weren't that competitive. Just thinking about, you know, I, I was playing, but that first year of the Magic, when we, you know, we started out seven and seven, but we only won eleven games the rest of the way. That that must have been tough to uh, to broadcast every night. <laughs> you know, well, on radio too, by uh, by yourself with no color commentator yeah. or studio studio host or anything. That was just all a one man show. Uh, but yeah, that but that's not anywhere near what the difficulties we faced this season. Right. No, I don't think. Uh, that was- and I felt like if I felt like things were pretty seamless for George, no challenges for you with your <laughs> multiple right. COVID tests, 
everything on Zoom, technical challenges. I mean, now he uh, traveled, just, so he's got a different experience. George was traveling, yeah. exactly. You know, the first thing I asked Joel last night as the buzzer sounded was, okay, after tomorrow, how many more times do I have to go in to get my COVID test? <laughs> yes, right. And he's like, you got to, you know, so I went in today, you know, Monday the 17th, I went in and, and took one and I'm hoping, fingers crossed, I mean, I don't know where this goes from here. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, you know, we get a little break from that. But um, yeah, COVID tests every day since November 28th. Um, the Zoom challenges and and I I just felt for you guys like that's why I kind of bowed out on the last two pod squads to be honest because I felt it was important you know I'm I'm with these guys every day whether it's on the right. road or 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 you know uh you know at the practices or at home you guys haven't seen these guys and and, and I'm always reminded because you guys or or Trish Wingerson in our department like she's like I've not met any of these new players and neither of you, and that would not be the the norm under normal circumstances. You guys would have met them, you know, the day they got here and gotten to know them at this point. And so it's just, yeah, I mean, to say I'm glad this season's over uh, would definitely uh, be an understatement <laughs> for me. You know, and I think as challenging as all this was, you know, there's things that we pick up on the road, right? I mean, when we're traveling and there's, we'll overhear a conversation or, you know, or we'll flat out. In, intrude on a conversation so we can so we can so we can find out some information but you may see something on a bus on a plane we're able to go in the locker room we're able to have a conversation you guys can watch the game and say why is this person wearing that or did you see this interaction that was all gone it was just so surreal everything that we're used to i mean for brian hill to not be able to get within you know four levels of an NBA floor. I mean, that's, that's just not normal. That's just not normal. Those that's guys, crazy. him and Quentin Richardson, Jeff Turner, you guys are used to going wherever you want to go. And you couldn't do that this year. Just so, so surreal. Just the fact that you guys were meeting Wendell Carter Jr. And RJ Hampton for the yeah. first time on a podcast in yeah. May was it really, it took me a couple of times to just think about it and just go, gosh, it's so just weird there's no other way to describe it other than weird it's it doesn't stop and hopefully come next year we won't have this situation and you guys will be back with the team and we'll be playing 82 games and everybody will be hanging out together again hopefully and you know what's funny too guys i don't know how you if you guys felt the same way and it's small potatoes compared to what george and the players especially the coaches and everybody had to deal with but you know, it was somewhere around February we realized i haven't haven't, haven't had a day off you know you miss those days in the hotel when you can just kind of, you have an off day, a Saturday in Denver, and you don't have to do anything, you can shut it down for a day. Yeah. When you don't go anywhere, those days are gone. You don't have those days. And it's awesome. It's great being home, but, boy, we didn't really get that day to kind of recharge the batteries, did we? No, there's always a, a honeydew list, right, or something. Yes. Pick up the kids yes. or for you, Dante, or yeah. things to do when you're, when you're always at home. You're absolutely right. It, it, was, it was different in so many respects. But, you know, and to be honest, guys, like from what I understand, and George, you can talk to this, travel was so different. I, I would have gone stir crazy being stuck in my hotel Correct. room for the length of time um, that these guys were. I, you know, I mean, I, listen, I like to get out and walk around, go have my coffee and do those things. So, um, man, that, that, that sounded like torture to me to be traveling this year, George. I, I would not characterize myself as someone that like, you know, like when we go out on the town or we go out on the road that I like rip it up on the road every trip. Like I, I would not characterize myself. No, that way. Right, right. But 
the fact of the matter that you could not leave your room, I mean, all year. And it just like you said, when you would hear an off day, you would get excited if you're on the road. I, my, the two favorite words for me when we were on the road would be no shoot around, right? That would, that would make my, my heart beat a little bit faster when I would hear no shoot around, right? Because then I knew the next day I, you know, Hey guys, what are we doing? Where are we going? What, you know, like, yeah, right. Sure, sure. And we had no shoot around on the road all season long. And it didn't mean squat. <laughs> it didn't mean squat because right. you're just, your day didn't change. It's like, okay, I, this is how my day is going to go. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go take my test. I'm going to sit around for a couple of hours and, you know, I'll knock some work out, but then I'm going to go get my food out of the meal room and bring it back to my room because you either can't eat with anybody else or, you know, for whatever reason, you just, you know, your timing doesn't work out. And then you're in your room and you're, I, I've seen so many episodes of friends and family yeah. guy and the office that I couldn't, you know, it got to the point where basketball games were coming on and I didn't even want to, I, yeah. I could, I just was just, I was just overloaded with, I don't know what it was, malaise and it just sucked. It really sucked. So you did, I've said it a couple of times as the year has gone by, you did not miss anything, not being on the road. Uh, you guys would have been miserable. And it just was not easy. It really, it really was tough. You know, what Dante said, though, was it was right, though. You said earlier about just the small interactions. I know it would have been tough and, you know, unusual not being able to go anywhere. We wouldn't have enjoyed that at all. But still, just to be around the coaches, to be on the same level. I guess that was the red zone, right? We were in we were in we were yellow zoners. You were red (laughs) in the red zone. So you were around the team to be in the red zone. To have those small interactions, um, it's not that we, you know, we spend a lot of time with the players and coaches, but just those little moments in the hotel lobby or on the bus or or in the arena or watching, you know, two hours before the game, you might have a word with somebody, just little things that you pick up. Um, you know, you get to know the guys, you get to uh, ask them little questions. If you've, like, if I found something out about a player, maybe his college background or somebody that he may have grown up with, that might be a nice story on air, the opportunity to ask him about it. It takes two minutes, but that two minutes is valuable time for a broadcaster, you know, to get those kinds of stories, that kind of information and to take in that sort of material that you can then um, provide for the fans that that really, I think, want that kind of stuff. So we missed out on all of that this year. Cole Anthony, you mentioned Wendell and RJ, but Cole's been with the team since November. Uh, And those guys just three or four weeks. But um, so, yeah, that uh, I would have preferred. George, to to have all those difficulties that you talked about, just to have those interactions with the players and the coaches. Well, let's put it in perspective, David. Let's give it in David and Jeff. Let's give this a perspective real quick to what you're saying. We're in Milwaukee and David uncovers that Terrence Ross is a big superhero fan and says, you know, Dante, you should go in the locker room and see if he's got a favorite superhero or if there's one. And that then there's the birth of Human Torch that we were able to get mileage out of for years right? right i mean that's that's the kind of stuff you guys are talking about that's all gone we couldn't do that this year yeah you know it's interesting and and all of that is you know it, it, these are our personal experience but it's not unique uh everybody in Correct. the league was kind of going through it right i still marvel over the fact that we learned uh one of the things through the year the indiana pacers broadcast team put together like a little zoom to meet and everything yes um, Never forget Mark Boyle telling us 
that he, he they hadn't even met the head coach. They had not had a face to face with the head coach of the basketball team uh, because he was new uh, and through all this. That that was you know that that's crazy. You know, we, at least we can have interaction with Steve Clifford. We know him. He knows us and everything. Um, that puts it on a different level though when you've not met in person. Well, we played Denver. Blocks, we played Denver. Right? We played Boston, and we played Chicago. And we didn't get to go down there and say hi to Evan, Aaron, or Vooch. Yeah. Strange, right? I mean, even all the which, – which would have happened. We'd have had an interaction with them. We'd have maybe, they'd have maybe told you something that you could work into the broadcast. I mean, it was yeah. all – all that stuff was gone, which is why, George, I, you know, you watch the games, what these guys have done. Because there have been many games down 25, 30, and I'm telling, I'm telling Ty – we're here. Brian and I are here. Like, if we can help, if we can say anything to help kind of get them, get them over the hump, but they didn't need it. There was amazing no. how you guys were able to do these broadcasts. Some of them were not very competitive. I'll give you that. Some of, the, some, some of the game, some of the games got away at the end, but you always found a way to get through it. That was remarkable to me. I think, I think the three of you guys and, and Ty Easton and the whole, and Jake Chapman for that matter, the whole, the whole yeah, broadcast right. crew from top to bottom, knowing just, I mean, let's be honest, right? Let, knowing what our situation has been for the last two months, right? Where we're, we really are out of it and you, you trade away half the guys you know and, you're, and, you, and you can just kind of see what direction it's going to go in for the rest of the season. Like losing is hard enough. Like it's, it's hard enough on the broadcast. Um, but you guys are just, I mean, even last night, last night's game 72, there's nothing to play for. You know, you have two teams out there that are sitting half of their rosters. <laughs> you you have guys you've never seen play before. And I mean, it was a great broadcast last night. There were so right. many entertaining things. You had the, the what, uh, is this anything was great again, as it always is. I didn't I, I didn't know the four year stats of is this anything. I thought that was great. <laughs> I don't I worked know. Worked in a bacon club. There was one more bacon. Bacon club. There was one more baconism we were able to get in. I thought, JT, in the final I thought JT's graphic that he didn't get any credit for until the very end with the, uh, with the <laughs> fewest <laughs> wins going into who your draft pick was. Losing us. Losing us. Losing us. Which is a word I learned. I, I, I learned that. That's but of course, word. David took the time to look it up, and it's a word. I mean, it's unbelievable. The research, even that. No, we don't want to see. I wrote it on my notepad, so I turned it over, and then there was a question before the game: "Is this a word from the truck?" They said, "Losing us." Ty says, "Is is that even a word?" I said, "Absolutely. <laughs> look it up on dictionary.com." I mean, they always say so, that. Uh, yeah, you got to make sure right? you got your grammar right, right? I, you have I think to, you're yeah. fine. I think you're fine. But I just, well, I don't think, exactly. yeah, you guys, it, it just, a, you, top to bottom, you got, and, and Dante, you were good. I mean, you were okay. But like, you're, you, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> Dante, you didn't sink us. That's all we everything, ask. Everything from top to bottom was entertaining, was great. It kept the fans going, uh, educational. It just was, it was a fabulous job by you guys and, and, and well deserved uh, kudos to you. Thanks, George. I appreciate it. Jeff and I Thank felt you. like uh, we felt like we had to to bring, you know, some extra stuff this year, because if you have a really good team, obviously the game sort of carry the broadcast. You just you're just along for the ride. You just kind of, uh, you know, try to add to the excitement level and provide a little a little background. And Jeff does a great job with the analysis of what's going on. But boy, when you when you have I think it was maybe 15, 20 plus point blowouts this year. Um, and just one on the other end, um, you, 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 if you're going to try and, and provide an entertaining broadcast, you, you better bring a lot of material to the table 
have a lot of stuff ready to talk about and have some things in your mind that, you know, might be entertaining for fans that, uh, you know, just don't want to sit and watch your, their team get their doors blown off, you know, on a, on a given <laughs> night. So, you know, we tried, right, we, right. we tried to do that. We, we tried to do that. Right. JT, we tried to yeah. bring some stuff that would be fun to talk about. Well, I hope, I hope we did a good job. You know, it's just, totally. uh, absolutely. Yeah. I just, I just, uh, I just hope we don't have to go through anything like that again. I, uh, you know, it's just, I just, it's just hard when you're not in the arena. It's uh, we're, we're, yeah. we're just like the players. We feed off of energy and um, you know, a lot of it's yeah. manufactured. Uh, although I will say, you know, our, our camera crew and everybody, they were right in there with everything. So. And they were incredible. And then you think they of the challenges. And you can't... A little bit of juice too. So yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. You're getting stats, your stats people, and you get people in the yeah. truck are keeping you pumped up. And it's it really is amazing. And it was sometimes we, when you win, it feels like the pregame and postgame and, and even the broadcast, probably for you guys to some extent, it, it kind of carries you. You can, you, it just, yeah. you know, the, the production meetings are easy. When you've lost six in a row, trying to figure out what to talk about can be very challenging. I will say that. Absolutely. I will say, absolutely. <laughs> I'll say it could be Jeff very challenging. Jeff makes a good point about the crew around us too. It was uh, you know, one of the one of the silver linings was getting to know some of these yep. crew people better because you know we 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 were just in uh, a room with three or four people at most, and uh, you get to know them. You you know you get to to know what they're about, their families, and um, you know I enjoy those relationships. That that's really what this job has been for me for so many years has been about the people that you've met and the relationships that you're able to develop over time and really get to know people. So there, you know, it was a, an, an addition in that regard for people that we've been around, Jeff, we, you know, we, we know these people by yeah. face and by name, but, uh, but we know them a little bit better now. So that's a good thing. And I think a better, you know, I just speaking of myself, a better appreciation for what goes on. I, you know, it's like, sure. you know, normally in a, in a, in a regular game, you know, we arrive and, doing a lot of things you guys were talking about. We're visiting with other people and then it's like, okay, it's, you know, it's six 30, you know, I got to be on the stools. The stools are there. Yes. I, like, I go now I got to see behind the scenes, you know, setting up, doing all those things a little bit more. So, um, you know, again, for me, a better appreciation for, um, just how hard all those guys behind the, uh, and, 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 and for us, we show up and do these games, but then a game will end. And then some of our crew is off to Tampa to do a Raptor game yeah. that night and get tested there and then yeah. drive back and be at our crew for an early call. And then you talk to one crew member and they said, yeah, you know, get some of these backstories like you're talking about, David. And someone said they worked with Regis Philbin for years. So you get <laughs> to hear those stories. And then, you know, our cameraman, Chris, had a baby. He's got a newborn and he's trying to juggle all this stuff. It is. You're right. It was very fascinating. And at the end of the day, we got to spend a lot of time with some talented people that, that really their job, you know, is, is to make that broadcast look the best they can. And Ty Easton, it starts with him and, and it all comes together. You're, you're exactly right. Jeff, when you think about 28 players on this magic roster that have worn a Jersey and got on the court, I don't think it makes any sense to rehash the season and what happened and highs and lows. We, we all know what happened, right? But at the end of the day, it's going to be 28 different players wore a magic uniform in a game, which is a record. 32 different starting lineups, which is a record. 400 games lost to injury or illness. When you think about that, right? I mean, as, as someone who played and can appreciate the challenges that every one of those would present, I mean, that's just staggering, is it not? It, it really is. Um, you know, when you put them... 
when you when you lay it out the numbers um yeah it is amazing and i i just you know it, it's funny i i had you know as you guys know i had the opportunity to do a little bit of coaching and everything and you know just um you know, we talked a little bit about this with Brian Hill last night after the, the final game. And, you know, the big thing is when you're a coach, well, what you really want, what your your time is, is on the practice floor and your guys, right? And, and you know who they are and your building and everything. With the turnover, with the, all of the, you know, the injuries and the number of players you know, that would be difficult enough, right, to, to continually have to reteach things. And, and so you're not really progressing like you want. But then you throw on top that you just don't have any time with them in the setting where you're comfortable to do that teaching on the court. You know, you're in a ballroom and, uh, you know, watching some of those uh, Inside the Magic features, you know, late at night when I got home from yeah, doing the right. game. And, and all the times Cliff is, you know, they're in the ballrooms. I've been there. We did ballroom yeah, walkthroughs, right, right. but not all the time. I mean, I just like, you cannot learn in that environment. You can't, it, it's almost impossible to be locked in and prepared in that, especially with a young group. So like for me, what Steve Clifford and his staff yeah. did to be able to navigate through all of that with the numbers you took, you know, the 28 different players and all the injuries and stuff. And to put a product on the floor that, you know, let's undermanned a lot, but to still be somewhat organized Absolutely. and trying to keep them focused. I, I, I mean, I just can't tell you how much respect I have for those guys. I mean, just, it really is amazing. So George, what, what I mean, like, when you're on the road and like, I mean, you're there, you're in the room yeah, with them. Right. It, it, I'm, so here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking there are people walking in and out, taking food out of the room. And there's just so many. <laughs> just, right? The, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just, just not the same. It's just not, it just, it's, it's, yeah, it's just stupid. <laughs> when you yeah. think about it, the whole thing is just crazy. <laughs> the happiest cliff was. Were, were the days where we actually got to practice and be on the floor. Yeah. I mean, it, we had that last practice before we left on this trip, on this very last trip, we had that last day of practice and he and I were walking off the floor, getting ready to go, go to do media. And he just says, man, he's like, it's amazing how much more, I mean, we only, and, and when I say practice, like at that point, it's, it's May, we, we only had like eight or nine guys available to practice, but just just the 45 minutes that we had just to do that was better than the three weeks prior <laughs> where we got to do just nothing. Yeah. And it just, just didn't have that. And for, like you said, Jeff, just for Jade, uh, for Cliff and the rest of the coaching staff to keep us somewhat going when we easily could have just, you know, packed it in a long time ago and just said, ah, just roll the ball out and let him go play. Cliff and the coaches did not do, I mean, even when Cliff had COVID and he was out, we still were as organized <laughs> yeah. as we pot, you know, yeah. Ty Corbin kept everything going and the assistants kept everything going and just to keep everybody organized, as opposed to just showing up when the ball, you know, showing up what it said on the schedule, throwing the ball up, let the ball just roll around and we'll finish the game and we'll go home and we'll go on to the next one. Like coaches did not do that. They, they are, they were amazing. They were amazing. That practice you mentioned before the last road trip, George, was before the Milwaukee game, if I recall. Yeah. And yeah. the team 
That was better. That was how much better were we? Really good. Absolutely. I mean, how much better were we? The Minnesota game the night before, or the two days before, where we got absolutely drilled and looked like we had no interest, and then. We watched film for 20 minutes and Gary Harris and a couple of the guys spoke up and coach and, and Cliff didn't spend a lot of time going over like the film against Minnesota. He just went over NBA experiences that he's had over his 30 plus years of being in the league and talked about Latrell Sprewell and Patrick Ewing and, and just going through, and he's done that before, obviously, but I think he just made it a point where he, he brought up a, a, a story about a player that was on the Knicks that struggled to stay in the league and he ended up not staying in the league. And I think he was talking to a lot of these, you know, I mean, how many guys did we have on our roster at the end that were 10 day contracts or just signed? We had at least four guys that were there for two weeks. And then, you know, they're probably not going to be there next season and who knows where they're going to be, whether they're going to be in the NBA or in the G league or in Europe. And he's just, he's just giving them their, his experiences about what it takes to be, an NBA player and the work that it takes to be an NBA player. And then Gary spoke up and said great things about just working, just working hard. And it really had nothing to do with the next game. It was just time that they got to spend together. And uh, yeah, I mean, and then we got on the floor and did some things to prepare for Milwaukee and it was night and day. I mean, the, we lost still by, by 10, but it was way more competitive than the three nights we had. Before. But think about your guy like Brisdakis or Wagner or Thornwell. Your, your career path may not be in Orlando, but you get that valuable experience and that wisdom that you take with you wherever you go. Maybe who knows what here, you're going to pick up, right? I mean, who knows what you're going to yeah. pick up there that you can then turn around and use during the summer and, and maybe catch on somewhere else. No idea. You know, David, I look at this and I think the Magic finished 21 and 51. That's the third worst record in the NBA. But they're going to have the best odds of anybody, right? Because the bottom three teams all have now a 52% chance at a top four pick and a 14% chance at the number one pick. So, you know, fans wrestle with what do you do? Do you make the trades? Do you move on? Uh, do you not? And then, but in doing so, you know, you, you, the front office makes the decision to move on from, from, from three guys that were here for quite some time, acquire young players. And in doing so, you're not going to win. You go six and 22 to close out the season. Um, but if you're the front office, did, did you not accomplish your goal? These young, you acquire young promising players who get a chance to play. And we saw visible signs of growth, in my opinion, the last three weeks. And Oh, by the way, the byproduct of that is, you now gave yourself the best chance of anybody to have a top four pick, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mission accomplished. No doubt about it. Uh, a lot of young, uh, very interesting, talented players already on the roster. You have Fultz and Isaac coming back next year. Um, I thought uh, RJ Hampton was really an interesting player down yeah. the stretch. Um, boy, we saw him do some things that can really make Magic fans excited about where his, his future might go. Um, there, there's a lot to like about him. Cole Anthony drops, what, 37 uh, on the, the final night of the season. So clearly he's a guy that can get you points, which, you know, that's always a, a great thing to have, players that can yeah. score the basketball and, and uh, provide some offense. And then, you know, with the lottery, the odds are in our favor that we get a top four pick. But, you know, I mean, history tells you guys, of course, and we all know this, that there, there are players dotted throughout, you know, especially the first half of the first round from one to 15 every year, there are players that emerge as stars at some point in their career. So uh, yeah, it would be great to get a top four pick. The odds are that we will get a top four pick, but even if not, if you get two lottery picks in this draft, 
You know, right. The sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth player. I mean, I know all the experts are saying that, you know, this is a five player draft, but I, I never buy that. I, I just don't. I mean, I, I know some of those that are can't miss in that top five, some of them more than one probably is going to miss. That's my opinion. I, I think that happens every year. There's going to be a guy, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, that nobody thinks uh, all that much of that's going to pop as an all-star in yep. three or four years. So I, I'm not all that focused really on, on that lottery, especially if we get two players in this draft, I think it's going to be, uh, it, you have a chance to really have, you know, two great pieces for the future. Hopefully it's a top four. And if it is, then, you know, we'll all be really excited about because those will be the name players that, you know, everybody right. around the country is talking about. But, but I, I think that we have a chance to do some things uh, down the road with, with this particular draft in particular. JT, just it doesn't matter what number we pick, right? We have to pick the right guy. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if we have the number one pick. I don't care if we have the number 12 pick because it could happen. I mean, it's happened both times now that they've switched this lottery around, right? That, that you know, the year that New Orleans and Memphis got Zion Williamson and John Morant, they had a 7% and a 6% chance, I think it was, to get the number one Correct. pick, right? Exactly. And then you look at last year, Charlotte had a 6% chance to get the number one pick. They end up number two. They get LaMelo Ball. It it doesn't <laughs> – I, I just don't – the odds are what they are going to be, and that's all fine and good, and we could end up one. We could end up seven. I don't care where we end up. Just pick the right – the guy has to be the right guy. It, it just has to be the right player. Yeah, I think you have two guys. You have two. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Right pick guys. the right players. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Plural. Right. Pick the right Either players. way, like, but you guys are right. Either way, and and so you know, I mean, you know, it's going to be an interesting summer for uh, you know Jeff Weltman and John Hammond and and Matt Lloyd because you know you made the decision to go down this path. Now you got to make the right pick. You know, that's Correct. that's what it's Correct. all about. I mean, think about it. David and I kind of talked about this. Uh, in our open last night, we went through seven players, you know, and J.I. is the oldest guy, right, at, what, 24, right? So you've got seven players, 24 or under, maybe J.I. is 23. 23, 23, yeah. So you've got seven players on your roster that you've set up now, you've got that are 23 and younger, and then hopefully we're adding two more by all accounts, one through nine, 10, David, you study this a little bit more, are all one and done guys. So we're going to add two 19 year olds. So, you know, 20 years old. So the right, Crazy. it's got to be, you know, right. You know, the work has got to be put in to make sure we get the right guys uh, to go with that. Cause we'll think about that. We'll have nine players under the age. That's uh, crazy. <laughs> you know, Jeff, you and I, you and I have talked about it. We've, I think we've all had this conversation, but uh, I, I, I always think about the 2014 NBA draft, the three can't miss surefire all-star yeah. players. Yes, in exactly right. It was Wiggins, Jabari Parker, and Joel Embiid. Right. And Wiggins is a good player. He's a good player. Yeah. Jabari Parker, we saw him on two different teams this year. He's coming off major surgeries. He's working hard after the games, trying to get, you know, in a position where he can help a decent basketball team. That was the number two pick in the draft. And Joel Embiid fell to number three into Philadelphia's lap. Yep. And he's had the best career of all of them. And, and didn't even play for you know, two years. Didn't play for two <laughs> years. Play for two years. Exactly. So, um, you know, the, the can't miss label, um, be careful. Be careful yep. with the one and dones. I think well, you're MVP. there for sure. 
most likely the MVP of our league, Nikola Jokic, was the 41st pick. 41st pick in the draft, the MVP, right? And you got you find Draymond Green in the second round. Look where Giannis was taken and Donovan Mitchell. And you're right. Pick the right players, Dante. Just pick, pick the, the right, right players. And I think it, where they go. And I think it's important right to I think it's important to because I, I, I recently did one of these virtual meetings with Matt Lloyd. And I think and his big stress was, you know, we get so caught up in the draft. The draft is a piece of it. The draft is a piece. Free agency is a piece. Trades are a piece. Internal development is a piece. Like you don't get hung up on, we don't get the guy in the top four. If we don't get a top four pick, like that, 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 this is a piece. You've given yourself the best odds at potentially having the highest pick, but you still got to pick the right guy. And at the end of the day, the draft process is just a piece of the puzzle. Well, that, that's going to be a major part, right? To see, because you just said, how many guys are under 23 years old? Nine guys are under 23. There's eight guys that are 24 or younger. Eight players, 24 and younger. And okay. Jay, and Jay, as JT mentioned, seven of them are 23. You're going to need to have some veteran players, at least, yeah. you know, at the very least to teach these guys how to be pros. You, that it's a must. They, you must surround these guys with, uh, you know, you hear guys talk about it all the time. Well, my vet was this guy and my vet was that yeah. guy. Like, we need to make sure we have three or four of those guys that can show these young players how to be pros because otherwise – you know, it, it, it could get it could get wild down there. It really could. Well, Jeff, Jeff, you can probably talk to this as a former player, but does that do those veteran players, do they need to be uh, key players on the court? I mean, do they need to be players that are getting significant minutes to get the respect of the, of the other guys or the young guys? Or can you have a veteran that like Udonis Haslam in Miami seems to give them great leadership? He never plays. I mean, what 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 do you what kind of vets do you have to have to help out young guys? Well, I think ideally, I think the vets have to be uh, everyday contributors on the floor. I mean, you know, look, we've we've seen this in the past when, uh, you know, we were going through this several years ago. Remember, we brought in veteran players. Remember, we brought in Ben Gordon and, and we brought yeah. Luke Ridenauer, uh, Jason Maxfield. Yeah, yeah Chaining Fry and everything. You know, we've got to have, <clears throat> I think we've got to have a core group of guys. Gary Harris is going to fit this, by the way, because um, yeah. he will be on the floor contributing. But I think that's part of it. It has to be guys that, you know, because, listen, it, it, in the locker room, uh, the guys that are getting the minutes, <clears throat> those are the guys that have the loudest voice. You know, it takes a very special player. Udonis Haslam because of his uh, time in Miami and being a part of all those championship teams and uh, you know, his relationship with the front office, and everything, he's a unique situation and has that loud voice. That's that one's tough. I think to add that um, because it's hard to have that loud voice um, if you're, if you're not an everyday contributor on the floor. So I think, I think that, you know, that is, as Dante said, that's a, that's a big piece, uh, free agency. Um, and what you put in the locker room, got a guy that everybody respects that they can see on the floor working and contributing, uh, every day, I think is, that's a big piece of it. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, those are key people, no doubt. You know, from a magic perspective, from magic history, like you can look at like an Adonal Foyle was a guy that gave that leadership, but didn't necessarily play ever. Um, sure, it's just that sure. he was respected and, and a, a long-term veteran. So yeah, it's a, we, 
Darryl, on, every, on every roster he was yeah. on, even at, you know, at the end of his career, was still yeah. a, a guy that could command respect like that. Right. Yeah, and I don't, right. I don't want to, I don't want to minimize. You know, it it can happen. I mean, there are sure, very, sure. You know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, Donald's still person. very well. It's a unique individual. Yeah, a unique he is, individual. And, but I think that. the easiest way to accomplish the goal is to get, um, you know, guys um, that can contribute. And and, and here's yeah. the thing. That, that will be competing with the young guys for playing time. Because, right. you know, when you're competing against a guy day in and day out, um, now you're actually, you know, you're in. Like, what is he doing? I'm competing with him. What is he doing that I'm not? You know, uh, that he's getting rewarded with that playing time that I'm not. I, I want I want to be where he is, kind of. Uh, uh, and the coach is picking him over me. How does that work? Um, you know, I, I don't know what that looks like, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, the, the, the perfect example, I think night, day and night is Kim Birch, you know, what Kim Birch brought, um, through his work, he earned his playing time on the yeah. floor, even ahead of Obama. Right. And so, you know, our hope is that, you know, and from everything he said is that Mo understood that and said, you know, Hey, you know, I learned a lot watching Kim Birch every day on what it takes, uh, the things he did. I need to do those things better. So those are the kind of guys I think you need um, competing every day with the young guys so that um, you know, the last thing you want to do is just hand a guy playing time. Right. It's the, I think yes. players develop quicker if they're competing uh, for that time every day. You got to stay a little bit on edge. And you guys mentioned Dante Hall. I think that I think you're exactly right. That's a guy that could, you know, you mentioned Ken Burch. He could maybe fill that role either on this roster or another roster. I think it's important, guys, as we close this out, JT, quick rapid fire, maybe 20 to 30 seconds on these guys. One or two things that you really that really impressed you, one or two things that they have to work on moving forward. I think it'd be very interesting for Magic fans uh, to use your insight. And Chumo Kiki. Chumo Kiki, what impressed you? And then what does he need to work on this summer? I think Chuma for me, it's his his all-around game, his basketball IQ on both ends of the floor. Um, and for Chuma, I would just, you know, for him, I think it's his individual uh, work, you know, really honing that three-point shot uh, and then continuing to work. How can he get to the free throw line more? Things like that to be a little bit more consistent offensively. And his press right. conferences need to get better. <laughs> I'll take that. He was walk offs walk -offs in press conferences. Just, have him watch some Cole. Have him watch some Cole Anthony. No, 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 yes. no, yes. no, yes. no, no. And you guys, yeah, you guys jump in. If there's things you see, please, by by all means. Okay. Wendell Carter. Wendell Carter, 22 years old. I think we got to say led the team in field goal percentage and rebounding here the last month. I think the last month is very difficult to truly evaluate <laughs> these yeah. guys. So I think that's why it's important to, for you to pinpoint maybe what you see. Well, I think the big thing for Wendell is, you know, from all accounts, sometimes he suffers from uh, a confidence thing, right? Like he, he becomes a little bit more hesitant. I think, you know, just repetition in the gym, he has told us that he wants to extend his range on his shot. Um, I think that's great, but not at the expense of doing what he does, yeah, which is right. work in the paint. He is, uh, he is a, a throwback old school. I really like him being around the basket. Um, but I just want him to be more confident uh, on the floor that, you know, go ahead and take that 15-foot shot. We need you to do that. RJ, you guys all weigh in. RJ, what, what impressed you most about that youngster, and what does he need to work on? 
I'm enjoying hearing Jeff. I think we need to stick with JT. Yeah, okay. yeah do it, JT, do it. JT's the analyst, JT's the analyst here. Dude, I'm I'm what Jeff got... has to say about it. Absolutely. <laughs> RJ, RJ, fire away on RJ. Well, again, you know, again, for RJ, I don't think it's there's a confidence issue with RJ. I think it's just for him. I really hope we have a summer league guy because I think, guys, because I think RJ to play basketball uh, at this level. Um, I think we know enough about him now that he's going to do the individual work. He's going to work on his shot, uh, extend his range, get more consistent with that. Um, but again, I think he needs to play because he's a guy that we're going to put the ball in his hands to make plays, and he needs as many repetitions with that as he can uh, possibly get. Cole, would you change anything with Cole? He seems to be an incredible worker. He's not afraid of a darn thing. Uh, what, 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 would, what do you see Cole working on this summer? I, I, you know, again, Cole's another guy. Uh, I just, I want him, here's what I want. I want him in the gym with the coaching staff, right? Like playing summer league, going through those practices and everything, and really begin to think like they do, like a coach on the floor, really understanding where, you know, sometimes he'd overpenetrate. He was still doing that towards the end. Um, but don't change anything with his mindset. Um, you know, I, I love the fact he isn't afraid. He's a competitor. Um, that guy wants to win. Um, and just for him, it becomes figuring out how to do that. And the most important thing is he can't do it all himself. He's got to figure out how to make his teammates better. Um, and the, again, the only way to do that is to get on the court and play with him. I love it. I, I, we saw that block Mobamba had on Jason Tatum, and you get excited thinking about that. And then I saw 11 straight blow-bys by Tyrese Maxey, and you think, <laughs> you think, okay, it's just a reminder. He's 23 years old, and they yeah. still need – again, Jeff, a guy that needs to play. What, what, what does Mo need to do? Yeah, it's, you know, the, the big thing, and, and Dave and I have talked about this, sometimes it takes bigs a little bit longer, right, to, you know, because it, it just does, you know. And, um, you know, for Mo, again, it's just, for me, when I listen to him talk, I think he knows what he has to do, but he's just got to figure out, I, I want him to get healthy, right? Like, just get healthy, be in the best condition you can possibly okay. be coming back in, and then commit, commit to, I'm going to run the floor. I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get back on defense. I'm going to be a rim runner on offense uh, and really put pressure on defenses and everything. We saw, we know he can do it, David, right? We yes. Pointed right. Out. Whenever he did it on the floor, we pointed it out. But we were also, you know, very honest and pointed out when he didn't get back or he didn't run the floor. Um, and I think for him, it has to start there. And, and to me, he, it's all about conditioning. You know, once you're in that point, cause that's what we've heard is right. He's been deprived of all this opportunity because of, you know, whatever it was, the COVID or the injuries and everything to get in the top physical condition. I think for him, it has to start there. That's outstanding. Great breakdown, David. I'm going to give you Markel and George. I'm going to give you Isaac. But we'll close out with this and just what you would tell fans about, you know, I know you've seen him work in George and we've heard great reports, but, uh, you know, I, I guess, David, realistic expectations with what Markell is going through, the impact that he could have next year as he continues to improve here. Well, I, you know, Jeff and I were really sort of surprised at how 
open and uh, and honest. Uh, not that yeah. he's not always honest, but Steve Clifford was right out there with how important Markel Fultz is to the basketball team when asked by Josh Robbins in the last week of the season, uh, how much did you miss miss Markel Fultz? What what difference could it have made on this season if he had not been injured? Boy, Coach Cliff, he, he came right out and said it, it made all the difference in the world. That you know he's a, he's an elite talent. He is a number. He is the number one pick in the draft. Um, mm -hmm. So you know, I mean that shows you how much talent the guy has. Uh, he was playing at a very high level before the injury. Eight games in, the team was functioning well under his leadership. He's a difference maker. I mean, he it's it's all the difference in the world to have a point guard with that kind of size and that kind of ability. Uh, the only thing, as we all know, that he lacks is the deep three-point shot, the deep uh, ability to shoot the deep ball. But, uh, the, you know, he's got pretty much everything else. And even with the mid-range jumper, he's a threat offensively because, you know, he can, he can get to his spots and make those shots. So it's not like he can't function as a high-quality NBA point guard without the three-point shot. I think he's going to get that. He's still young. What is, he's 22, right? Markel, I think, is 22 years old. 22 years so, old. He'll be 23 in two weeks. Yeah, you're right. So he's uh, he's still a very young player. You know, we, we get ahead of ourselves with these guys and think they should be this or that already in their career. So, yeah, it's it. he's not going to come back right away. I, you know, right. I did an interview with Jeff Weltman uh, before the, uh, the last game with Philly, and he was making no promises on, you know, timetables for either J.I. or Markel. But uh, and Markel's injury did not happen until when January, correct? Yeah. So January um, six. You know, so Jeff, you you've said it before. It's it's usually twelve months, maybe fourteen months. So it yeah. could be the All Star break next year before we see him playing in a game. I know that you know that's probably frustrating to Magic fans. But if you if you you do the look at the calendar and do the do the math, it's pretty easy math to come <laughs> up with. We may not see him until the All Star break next year. So. That's a little frustrating, but you know you got to get that recovery right too. So um, I can't wait to see him back on the floor. I think he's a difference maker. Yeah, I, I, I'm David. I, the, the difference maker that he is, you know, with all the things people talk about, you know, the shot and everything, and that and that's legit, right? Like he he does need to get that range. But the yeah. thing is, is about him is, and and we and we've seen it is when Markel's on the floor, he makes everybody else better. And, and, you know, that, that is, that is such a valuable piece, uh, especially for that position. And when we had him on the broadcast and we asked him what he's been doing, you know, he said, he's starting to think like a coach. Oh my gosh. You know, I, yeah, so, right. I'm getting excited right now. You know, my heart started beating because if you have that with his natural gifts anyway, uh, I just, I mean, I just uh, I get excited thinking about Markel in the future. Great point. Great point. About Isaac? Yeah. Now, Isaac, Sorry. what do you see with J.I.? That's great insight, guys. I would agree with David where we need him uh, healthy. You know, we need to have him healthy. He, he hasn't really proven so far, you know, unfortunately, in his first four years in the league yeah. that he, he can stay healthy. Um, but, and when he does, he's a difference maker for us on the floor. He's especially obviously on the defensive end. Um, and we're going to need him to be that anchor once he is back, uh, <clears throat> patrolling things down there underneath and keeping everybody connected and, and, and doing his job on the defensive end. And I thought when, when he played those few games in the bubble, he had developed a little bit more of an offensive game than we were used to seeing. So if he can somehow 
take that and, and bring that into the season as well. Whenever, you know, same thing as far as Markel goes, like whenever Jonathan is ready to play um, and that also may not be come training camp as well. You don't, you don't know what the timetable will be on him. Um, but when he does, you're going to look to him to see if he can continue that offensive trend that he was going with in the bubble before he had that knee injury. And if he can somehow maybe step out to hit those corner threes at like a 35 or a 36% clip, you know, I think that's going to be huge for the magic. And the thing that Markel and Jonathan are going to provide that we have not had over the last few months is just a, a leadership within the magic locker room, right? Like Gary Harris provides leadership, but he's, he's relatively new to what we're doing. Yeah. Jonathan's been here for four years and Markel's been here for three. And, and so yeah. like, these are guys that are vested in the magic, right. And vested in the success of the magic and what Steve Clifford's trying to do. And their leadership is going to be, is going to be key. Um, if a lot of these younger players are going to take a next step forward in, in what we're trying to do and where we're trying to go uh, next year and the year after and the year after that, those two guys are, are critical Um to the success of where we're going to go. No pressure on those guys, but it all relies yeah, right. <laughs> so if I'm reading, if I'm reading between, yes, no pressure, but it's all on your shoulders. If I'm reading everything correctly, then with all the 19 year olds, JT, that we're going to add the 22 year olds, maybe Markel, not till the all-star break, Jonathan Isaac, who knows when potentially, potentially next year, a, a tad bumpy as well. <laughs> as, as we well, try to work in all these moving parts, as we try to work yeah. this all in. Just Which is understandable. I, I what you would understand. I, I think you know when when if if you know and and we're all Magic fans, right? And we're right. we're talking to our our crowd, right? Exactly. As Magic right. Fans. And here's the deal: is we we've got some great. The future, right, looks yes. bright, but the future could be a little bit of time, right? Because yeah, it, right. it's. You know that we make jokes about it's a grown man's league and, and things like that. It really you just don't see really really young teams right having that big big success you know and everything. Yeah, sure. So I, I think that it's uh, it's going to require some patience, not just by us as fans, but you know obviously from the front office, coaching staff. Um, you know we've committed to this, so you know we've got to be patient and see it through. I think that's very important. Very important message there as well. Well, guys, we did it. Somehow we got through about 30 plus of these pod squads and <laughs> 72 games and 72 COVID tests. And George, with all your travels and flights and Zoom calls, I, I don't know how we got here, but we did. Great job, everyone. I'm not going to lie hey, to you. Can I, I, ask, can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. Hey, George, can I ask, uh, yeah. do you sleep in the top top bunk or the <laughs> bottom bunk? Well, this is a loft set up in my in my son Jim's room. He's got he's got a little hammock here. Oh, oh that's not your that's not that's not, oh, that's that's not, not your and Laura's bedroom. No, okay. no, I'm, I'm not a big I'm not a fan of Hogwarts. Uh, I mean, I am a fan of the Mets and the Giants, but she wouldn't let me hang the pendants in the bedroom in the master bedroom. So uh, what about paint up a little bit? She didn't. Well, she wouldn't go for the pinata. Hanging didn't from go the for the either. for the pinata. No, the pinata. No, she wasn't. She wasn't a fan of that. What are the can you see the beanbag chair over there? <laughs> like yeah, we got it all going on here in Jim's room. I didn't know if that was your bedroom or we're back in George's dorm. Stetson, I wasn't quite sure where we were. This is, this is exactly uh, what it looked like back in 19. 19- but to answer your question, David, I think we all know George would be George would be hooking that up on the top bunk. I think, <laughs> I think we, should, we still should be making you go up there. No question. There's no all right, guys. That'll do it for another edition of Magic Pod Squad. This podcast brought to you by Kia. 
official vehicle of the Orlando Magic. Have a great summer.